0: Right, thanks for joining us, everyone. We are going to kick off this segment of retail with Andrew Ziffer and myself here, and it's been—it's uh, definitely been a change this quarter from last quarter.
1: We've had a three-month turnaround in how we do business. <laughs> so, <laughs> a testament to uh, if we know if we uh, how we how we change the if business if we know what we're doing. Well, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I, I have confidence we're doing a good job and we're uh, we're doing what we should be doing. Yeah. But we'd have to pivot now. We're, we're pivoting. Certainly. Yeah.
0: yeah so. It's definitely been. Uh, It's been very different between, I mean, even 12 months ago to now with the main thing being the interest rate change, but the type of deals we're able to find and execute on from three months until now has definitely changed, but we want to cover a little bit of what we're seeing in the market and then kind of go into our perspective of how we find value and what opportunities we're looking for. So first, the easiest one is interest rates. Interest
1: rates. rates. Oh my God, interest rates. So last year we would just, we would get debt into 3%, just... Over and over again, we were getting debt three and a half, three seven five, and it was just so easy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and prices what they were, and honestly, prices are probably similar to what they were last year, but you know, debt difference between three and a half and six and a half, that's, that's quite a difference.
0: It's very different.
1: And, and so we can't necessarily model deals like last year we were modeling deals based on a five year whole cycle and a cash flow deal. And now it's different.
0: Right, so, those same deals are no longer well, one, even with interest rates higher, bank lending, the, the number of players in the lending space has declined.
1: Yeah, I think you told me you had a, so, one of your banker friends just shut down. Yeah, they're kind, of,
0: they're kind of just on a pause right now. So and they're so, like, okay, we're going to wait and see how things go. So
1: all these mortgage brokers are just hanging out at their house, <laughs> playing on the internet? And not, is that what they're doing? I think, they got
0: some cha- I think there's definite challenges on, on how is the debt being placed out there. And I mean, from their standpoint, too, if you're pushing a loan out and you know 30 days from now, the Fed's going to raise interest rates and you're going to be behind on it. Like, maybe we should wait.
1: Right. And they're also betting on the... I mean, they're betting on that interest rates will eventually go down too because they have to model a loan over the term of the loan and they don't know where interest rates are. They still have to sort of make their intelligent prediction. They got to make a guess on it.
0: But pricing-wise, though, sellers... I mean, most people that... Interest rates have been so low for so long that most sellers don't necessarily need to sell something. So they're kind of holding on to values where we're not seeing those prices really adjust too much.
1: Well, and especially for our deals. I mean, our deals... We're doing 65%, maybe 70% loan-to-value. And so we have a lot of room for error for values to go up and down. And so we're not in any – I mean, we are doing exactly what we should be doing. We're living the plan. We're not necessarily going to be a a casual – we're not going to be a casualty of interest rates because I think the first debt we have due is uh, 2000
0: right, yeah. 2024 I, All of our current debt that we have, you know, we have two loans that come up in 2024. right, And then mostly like 2026 and 27, so – we can think and think about and, and work through interest rates, but we've got a long time yeah. before they they so definitely. Two thousand twenty-four, two
1: thousand twenty-five is like a lifetime. <laughs> for a real estate <laughs> yeah, so purchase, it's plan.
0: quite a while. But that's yeah. also our going into strategy. With this was finding cash flow deals, so we have good spreads on all of our assets. As we hold those fixed rates, uh, you know we'll be in good shape cash flow wise. It just comes further down the road then.
1: And, but, and don't forget about the most important part: that we are buying the deals right. We are buying. Um, deals that are under, you know, under appraisal or you know, we're buying deals correctly. We're not buying them above value. We're buying them below value. And then we're also operating them well. And so we're going to make money because we bought it correctly. We're operating it well. And then at the exit, the exit will be a byproduct of how we purchased it and how we operated it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So another thing, you know, when we think about people that don't have to sell, in our situation, we don't have to sell deals. Also, other sellers don't have to sell them. So we haven't really seen any price adjustments yet. Didn't you say
1: to me once that you never, ever wanted to sell a deal? Well, if you could
0: hold it forever, I think that would be fantastic. (laughs) So hopefully, you don't have to sell.
1: Time for real estate is where things happen. and so
0: Time has historically been on the side of real estate. Yes,
1: yes. In fact, every single real estate purchase I made, no matter what decision was made, time has always... Time benefited. Time benefited. Yeah, time
0: benefited the value of the real estate. I think... Eventually, that starts to change, especially people having to sell or not wanting to sell. As there's, you know, we've bought a couple of deals out of estate transitions where right. it's like, look, you know, this, you know, estate issue happens and now we just want to exit this deal. We just want to sell it. And that's where we come in as a buyer for that. But that's a unique situation that we have to find in the market. It's just not a readily available market transaction. Right. That's and, and we've kind of really haven't been in that space, anyways.
1: Yeah, but we've been on the other side of it, like um, our Whiskey Road Panera deal. Oh,
0: that we was, love to sell that way.
1: That was an estate. Yeah, we bought it from an okay. estate, so we were on the receiving end of that actual. Yeah, oh so, yeah,
0: that's how we like to buy it. When we sell it, we're normally trying to sell it. Yeah, open market as much as we can. Yeah. So, yeah. other things interesting happening in uh, our space is mostly the QSR. Like we're mostly in quick service restaurant stuff, but then we're also in like the dollar store stuff. And if you think about dollar stores in general, right now in the market, there's, there's been a push towards uh, finding value, especially as we see inflation uh, hitting uh, people's pocketbook harder. They're trying to find like, where can I get the best, the best value or where can I spend as little as possible? And that's normally, dollar stores aren't necessarily the best value, but they are normally spend as little as possible to get something.
1: Right. And I look at dollar stores as, um, I, I'd call them like a dollar store, like a C-grade apartment complex. A C grade apartment complex is heavy management, with that heavy management comes better returns because i think uh like the cap rate spread between a C grade a b grade and an a grade apartment i always want to be in the c grade because
0: you know it's a little more work but more more return and and dollar stores you know essentially the same thing it's not a costco where you have this enormous box and, and huge revenues but you have smaller revenues per footprint but your profit margins are right. higher
1: and don't forget the demographic too the demographic of who goes into a dollar store and who goes into a costco is also very different too so the dollar store probably has a bigger population or a bigger net to cast than maybe a costco costco's yeah. in dunwoody and alpharetta but is there a costco in you know i definitely go to
0: a dollar store more than
1: i go to a costco oh even you do okay well you just like <laughs> yeah. dollar so stores. so i'm on the other side i, yeah. I think you might be an exception though so
0: <laughs> but we look at uh, the qsr space too and A big thing happening there is just price increases in general. So month-over-month restaurant pricing, like if you're just going to go to uh, an Applebee's, you're going to go to a Zaxby's, you're going to go to one of these types of restaurants, uh, month-over-month costs are up about 16% year-over-year. So that's a big swing on on the cost of going to dinner or going to eat, and that's going to push people to... uh, Cheaper dining out options. Yeah, well, I've heard statistics
1: right now that um, like fifteen-year-olds are being paid fifteen dollars an hour, twelve or fifteen dollars an hour oh, to get them to to get them to work. Yeah. So good for them, but you know,
0: I did not earn fifteen dollars an hour. No, when I, I think was I was a I was
1: maybe four dollars an hour my first job at high school, but you know that could be telling more about my age than anything else. <laughs>
0: uh, and another thing we're kind of seeing as we, you know, we get a lot of data reports on kind of what's happening, especially at our restaurants that we own and in the market and. We're starting to see a leveling of drive-through. I mean, obviously, drive-through kind of peaked at COVID, right? It was only the only way you could even really get anything, and that's kind of yeah, leveled I, out. Now. I wouldn't call it a peak. I would call that the complete, like the mount the Everest. complete summit. Yeah, the yeah. summit. <laughs> the, as high as it could go, right <laughs> yes, there. Yes. And now it's well, it's more level now. So yeah. Um,
1: well, don't forget we had run restaurant, our uh, DQ that was um, just it was the, just drive-through, drive-through only. only because and they made seventy yeah. percent of their revenue with less than half of their staff. And so why would you ever want to? Why would you open the other? Why would you open the dining room and have to pay for somebody to take out the trash and manage the register when you can make seventy percent of your revenue with just a handful of people? Just drive through, yeah.
0: yeah. So the, another part is uh, less mobile orders, which kind of falls right along with what we're talking about with COVID. You know, as that comes down to a more normal, normal rate, you've got more people just actually going into the restaurant and, and ordering. I
1: personally am relieved that I can sit in the dining room now. So, yeah, me too. No, no but... more, no more dishes, especially with kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no.
0: So. You know Our perspective of how we kind of see Greenleaf operating in this environment and, and where we're, one, creating value or really executing on that value. One point we did do is we're, we're selling two of our Dollar Generals right now that we're working through. And those are deals that we purchased uh, with short-term leases right in our business plan and then signed a 10-year extension with them.
1: One of them, we moved it to a 10-year lease, and one of them, we moved to a seven-year lease. So both of them, we got the lease extension, and literally right after the lease extension, that's going to be the most it's going to ever be worth during our ownership, and so we put it up for market. And just to even throw in a little bit of an um, additional sort of perspective on this is Dollar General stores are you know, fairly cheap. They're less than $2 million. And so Dollar Generals appeal to a lot of cash buyers, and cash buyers don't care about debt. Right. So it's it's a little bit of an easier product to sell. So our Dollar Generals, um, you know, a one and a half million dollar Dollar General is a lot more marketable than say like a six million dollar office complex.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a lot larger purchasing pool yes. of buyers that are interested in a one and a half million dollar publicly traded company backed uh, asset. Right, right. Um, but that is to say, like the the deal volume that we're seeing, our opportunities to go find those is coming less we're not seeing as many that are one interested in selling because they're like okay we'll just keep this um so we're not finding as many and the deals we do find we have to go find a specific reason that we can create value with a specific tenant
1: right most of the dollar generals are the on the market right now or the new dollar generals are coming out at like five and a half caps which you know when you have debt at six and a half and i buy in a five and a half cap deal it's you get this upside well, down
0: we've talked i mean dollar generals open up a thousand stores yeah so obviously that means they're putting out a huge number of stores that are for sale, right. that are brand new builds. They have a, a, a brand new long-term lease, right. uh, but they're expensive. So are somebody with a
1: million and a half or $2 million just laying in a bank account and getting 2%, they just go buy a dollar general and they get 5.5%. So it's, it's a better deal for them and they don't get any debt. So it's an easy for, deal for them and they don't care about lending. They just
0: Yeah, they're just buying it for cash. That's, yeah. that's kind of how we're looking to sell the two we are selling.
1: Right, and so the, the target buyer for our two that we're selling will be very, very low debt, if any. And it'll be somebody, hopefully, maybe in a 1031 or just a, an entrepreneurial investor versus like a big company. Like a Greenleaf is not going to buy our Dollar Generals that we're selling. It's going to be more of an individual, a doctor, a lawyer, just with some cash to
0: place. Yeah. So from our standpoint of what we can buy in the market, um, you know, we're not buying anything that's more like betting on the market to just go up because that's not what we're seeing right now. So it has to be this strategic opportunity to buy something. That's kind of what, yeah. exactly what you did with the IHOP
1: That's the new apartment down in Houston. model. You, you buy and you just plan on appreciation.
0: Oh, <laughs> You just buy and hope to sell it for more in the future. Yeah, well now. No... Yeah. yeah, and
1: that's why we're not, we have a tough time yeah, buying apartments right now.
0: Bought apartments in a long time now because yeah. of that. But yeah. IHOP, what you executed in Houston, is, is a prime example of where we can find value in retail opportunities. And that's kind of there, really kind of whatever's going on in the... In the market space, if we can find these value creation opportunities with a specific tenant, uh, that's where we can execute uh, a a purchase.
1: Right. So our business model is we're pivoting to being less dependent on interest rates and more dependent on something we're fixing. So we're fixing a piece of paper like a lease. We're fixing a problem like sales. In fact, we're working on another deal, which we'll talk about soon once we get under contract, where we're going to actually – we have an operator who's not doing so well. And so we want to go in there, take over operations with a better operator and improve sales and get it operating and then make it a viable business. And actually, this would be a perfect cash flow deal, too, because we would actually be involved in the operations of it. So we would profit from both the real estate and from the operations doing better.
0: And operationally, you know things like the Family Dollar that we purchased, we got a discount on that purchase because there was a good amount of operational work and capital improvements that needed to be done. Right, and we said, hey, we can go in and we can buy this and we can execute on the operational needs, and we got a discount. Beyond just the pure spend that had to be done. A
1: right, good example, because the family dollar, we had to go in there and fix a parking lot. We had to go paint a building. We had to go fix a couple of roof issues. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times when you own a building for 10 years, you just don't want to do that. You just don't want to spend the money. Because, and, a,
0: and a new buyer doesn't want to come in and yeah, have to go because, do all this work. It's not
1: like the bank's going to give you the money. or you're, you're, I mean, you're going to take the money out of your pocket, and all of your margin for the year basically goes to that repair, and so you make nothing. So why do it rather than just give yeah. it to somebody else,
0: make it their problem? So that deal, we got a discount, discount beyond what the capital improvement spend was needed so right. we saved money on that we got we got a better deal because of that because of the operational component that we knew we could do
1: yeah that's our family dollar indicator which just turned out to be a great purchase and people are people come to me and say hey you know that was a really good family dollar."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes those are those are the opportunities that we have to find yes. now in the market and obviously there's always less deals that have problems than deals that don't have problems right well, for the most part, right now that's what we're seeing. So. Remember,
1: we're always still looking at a thousand deals, or you know, we we make offers on ten out of the thousand, and then you know we get
0: hopefully a couple of those accepted. Hopefully a couple, yeah, yeah. will come to the table. So yeah. we still very much expect to be able to find uh, those opportunities over the next year. I mean, it, it's not going to be at the same volume as we were able to find them in the past. Uh, we think, but expanding our footprint a little bit here, we're looking at Florida and we're looking at Texas as well, and that opens up a little bit of, of that. The IHOP was in Texas, so if we didn't. Uh, if we weren't looking at Texas, we would not have seen that Number one. Number
1: two deal in Texas in yeah. just
0: a few months. Yeah, just a couple months, and we've got two yeah. of them down there. So yeah. both good opportunities where, you know, we think we're able to create value uh, within the market. So, cool. All right. I think that's pretty much it. The, the retail market, you know, we've had a. We've had a bunch of good purchases. We're still yeah, finding we opportunities a, to find value.
1: We had a very busy Q one and Q two. And I think I think the statistic we have internally is Q one and Q two was our busiest year ever. If we just take Q one and Q two, literally we've done more in that six months than we've done in every year yeah.
0: prior. And for the most part, we were able to use that period to really just lock as much debt as yeah. we could as we could do. We completed a bunch of refinances across the board. Yeah. You know, we talk about retail segment, most of our loans going out to 2026, 2027. So we've got a long runway of very cheap debt that we're going to be able to generate cash flow returns on uh, for years to come. So when's the break? Because I'm still really busy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure we'll keep finding things to so? finding things to do and finding opportunities to add value to, okay. to real estate opportunities. Let me
1: know when I can take a break because I'm still <laughs> very busy. So.
0: Cool. All right. Well, that's it uh, for this segment. And uh, we're going to be doing our live Q&A. Uh, next Thursday as well. So you can tune in for that where we can kind of go through any questions you may have. We're going to touch on all of our asset classes uh, in that one as well. So thanks for watching. Thanks.